For those of you joining us today, last Sunday I spoke about how with the new year comes new practices, and that for these first two Sundays in 2020, before we dive into the Sermon on the Mount next week, and that kind of carries us really into the summer, we would kick off this year with some practices to care for our souls and to experience genuine rest in the presence of God. Last Sunday, we talked about how one of the ways that we rest spiritually is by practicing the cycle of grace that we see in Jesus' life. And I told everyone, including our musicians, that today we were going to talk about gratitude. But, as I was walking at Clark Lake Park, which is kind of nearby here, and I was experiencing God's presence in prayer and nature, I felt led, yes, to continue talking about tending to our souls. But rather than making the turn to gratitude, not that I'm not grateful, but I'd like to continue on this theme of rest. You don't have a choice um, in that. (laughs) But in particular, how do we live a life rhythm of rest? And how specifically does observing Sunday or observing the Sabbath give rest to our souls? And as I thought about it, I realized that this has been something that I've been searching for my entire life, and I've actually researched extensively. For your sake, I have explored deeply every aspect of sleep and rest. Listen, no, like you know how eight hours is the average, and, there, and most of us are like, oh, I never get eight hours. I'm the guy bumping the average up from everybody else. There have been times in my life, uh, BK, before kids, where I slept over nine to ten hours a night during the week, and then on the weekends, I'd not hit it up a notch to 12 hours a night on the weekends. Once in college, and I was a science background, I did an experiment to see how long it was humanly possible to sleep. And I discovered something called second sleep, and that's trademarked, that's my term. But for those of you novices in rest, this is basically when you wake up and your body's ready to wake up, but instead, this is what you do, you keep your eyes closed so no sunlight hits your eyes, you go and use the restroom, you put an eye mask back on, you eat a breakfast bar, and then you get back in the bed and you are able to enter into another cycle of sleep. I've looked for rest in games and entertainment. I've looked for rest in extensive reading, burning through thousand-page books in a couple of days. And I've carried that desire of rest into my Christian life with meditation and quiet times. And I was really excited. I read this book by, uh, by someone called Marva Dawn. Is that working? It's working. By Marva Dawn, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, Ceasing, Resting, Embracing, Feasting. And as I was reading, she did some research and she wrote that early Christians often celebrated both a day of physical rest or Sabbath on a Saturday, and then they would have a more worship Christ-centered day on the Lord's Day, because I had thought about that as well. And this is a book I commend to you. I've, I've been using it in preparation for today's sermon. And that division of physical rest... And spiritual rest that she explores is a good way to kind of have an initial approach to the Sabbath. We're not doing a whole series, but today we're going to focus on the physical aspects of the Sabbath, of rest, and then the more deeper, more spiritual aspects. So let's look at our scripture for today, which is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And I encourage you, open your Bibles, 
Read God's Word for yourself as I read it here. If you don't have a Bible, use your phone, use your devices, whatever you want to use. And inside your bullets or your order of worship, there's a, a notes page. You could take some notes along as you read as well. So again, this is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. And as we approach God's Word, let us go to Him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, this is Your Word that You are speaking to us today. Please help us to understand it. Please help it to sink within us. Help us to reflect on the nature of the Sabbath and the rest that you call us to. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we've jumped right into the middle of it. And so if you really want to dig deeper into the context, and Hebrews is a pretty thick book, but I encourage you, that whole section, Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 13, is all about the Sabbath. Hebrews gives us a key understanding into the reality of the Sabbath and the deeper dimensions of the Sabbath that are revealed through Jesus Christ. So just to kind of catch you up to speed, what's going on in this passage is that there are these things going on that biblical scholars call shadows in the Old Testament. And Colossians 2, 7, says it like this, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And so a shadow, as, um, as we all know, is the image or the shade that is cast by an object from a light source. And the shadow has characteristics like that thing, like size, shape, contours, maybe even movement. And if you see a shadow you can get a decent idea of what the real item is that's casting the shadow. But clearly, the shadow is inferior to the real object, and you only gain the depth and the real character of something when you look at it directly, straight on in the light. So in the Old Testament, we have shadows. But rather than being in space, like on a sunny day, they are in time. So you have these events and these moments in Old Testament history that are shadows, or another way to say it, are foretastes, a little bit of a taste of these deeper, deeper realities that are yet to come. One way to think about it is that the events in the New Testament, and we just sang this song, right, God of the universe, that the God of the universe entered into his own creation as Jesus and the act of God of the universe himself dying on the cross were such monumental moments and reality-altering moments that there are reverberations throughout time, like a huge stone thrown into the middle of a pond. So as humanity came closer and closer to those monumental moments in the New Testament, there were time shadows preparing and looking forward to the reality of Jesus. And typically, the Old Testament shadows tend to focus on the material and the physical, while the New Testament realities are more focused on the spiritual and the unseen coming to light. So just an example, in the Old Testament, during the Exodus, the last plague is the death of the firstborn sons of Egypt. 
But the houses of the Hebrews are passed over. Why? Because they take the blood of a lamb and they mark it on their doors and the houses are passed over. Well, this is a shadow of the more full reality that is Jesus Christ, the firstborn Son of God, the Lamb of God, dies in our place and by His blood we are forgiven, escaping not just a physical death but receiving eternal life. And then the Old Testament people pass through the Red Sea and they become a new people, no longer in physical slavery to the Egyptians. And this is a shadow of a deeper reality in the New Testament that we, as the people of God, pass through the waters of baptism and that we experience a new life free of slavery to sin and death. And so in our passage today, what the author of Hebrews is pointing out is that Joshua who led the people into the promised land, into a land of milk and honey, into a place of physical prosperity and rest, was but a shadow of the real rest, the Sabbath rest that remains for God's people. Real rest, silly Samuel, isn't just a physical rest. It's a spiritual rest. In the same way that people followed Joshua and Yeshua, into the physical promised land, we follow Jesus, Yeshua, into our promised land, full eternal fellowship with God when Jesus comes to take us home. But we do have a foretaste of that now, namely in the Sabbath. You see, our Sabbath days where we gather and where we worship and where we participate in His rest are ultimately glimpses of heaven and that kingdom. They are moments where, and I laugh as I say this because I realize I have my watch on, but these are moments where we are to throw our watches away, where we are to practice being rather than doing, and we are to join God in rest, in peace, and in shalom. Now, this is clearly the heart of our passage. It's the heart of the Sabbath. And once we understand that our real rest is in experiencing God, we have a great aid in to understand how it is that we are called to celebrate the Sabbath. Now, there's still a connection between the spiritual and the physical. The physical aspect of rest and the command to rest physically is not annihilated in the New Testament. We are organic beings, both body and soul. They are connected, and we recognize this all the time, especially in sacraments where we perform physical activities like baptism or the Lord's Supper that have this deeper spiritual connection behind the physical actions that we're doing. So while there is an emphasis on the spiritual for Sabbath, we have to realize that oftentimes we can't find spiritual rest without being rested physically. And the other hand is true too. We cannot find physical rest unless we are rested spiritually. So today we're going to look at both aspects. The first part of the sermon we're going to focus on ceasing physically. Each point we'll talk about ceasing from some type of physical activity on the Sabbath. And then the second part we'll focus on resting more spiritually, deeply in God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So first, let's focus on the physical aspect in the area of ceasing. That is literally, by the way, what the word Shabbat or Sabbath means in Hebrew to cease or desist. So there are a lot of things that we could cease from, and we could spend this entire day going over those examples. That wouldn't be very restful for you. So I've summarized ceasing into three categories, and the first is to cease physically. We are physically designed, biologically designed, 
whether you admit it or not, to need rest. We, like the so much of creation, are actually designed with rhythms of rest built into us. And you're all aware of the circadian rhythm that much of creation, including us, follows, right? The 24-hour cycle. But there is also a deeper, not as apparent, physical rhythm that is based on the six days of work and one day of rest, Sabbath, that comes from creation. You might not be aware of it, as you are the day-night cycle, but this pattern of six and then one is ingrained into creation itself and into our very being. And when you hit that rhythm of rest, I can tell you, you will notice it. It's kind of like when we have some of these worship songs that you clap along with. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. We have here from time to time. I was wondering if it would happen today. Sometimes it's spontaneous where a worship song is happening in the morning and and all of a sudden people start clapping along with the rhythm. And two things about this. One, I'm very excited when, uh, as Presbyterians, you start to actually move. Um, One, I know you're awake and you're still here. Two, it really shows that people, that we as a people are engaging in worship beyond just our minds, but with our hearts and emotions. Two, I have this internal debate about whether or not I'm going to clap because I'm rhythmically challenged. I, I sit over here usually and I have to stare over at our worship leader, Matt, and watch for when he claps. I'm not listening to music, I'm just watching his hands. Or I look at the students sometimes because you guys seem to be rhythmically inclined. And I wait and see, am I going to be able to clap alongside them as, as they do that? Um, and, and I can't fully engage in worship when I am out of rhythm. Oftentimes I, I'm like stutter stepping as, as it's happening and I feel bad for people around me. Sorry, Tommy, as, as I'm trying to kind of keep the rhythm. But sometimes, on rare occasions when the planets align, (laughs) I'm nailing the rhythm and I'm in such unity with the song that I experience it in a different way. We are designed to be in a physical rhythm of rest. And when we are out of that rhythm, we experience it in physical ways like stress and anxiety. And when we are in that rhythm, things fall into place. And we function physically as we were designed to function, and there is great peace and rest in that. The Sabbath is a day set aside to cease physically and to rest physically. The Sabbath is also set aside to cease from producing. It is not meant to be a day for personal gain or production. Foundationally, Sabbath is a great reminder, and we talked about some of this last Sunday, that as we enter into God's presence, we do that not on ourselves, not because we produce or have done enough or by our own works, but by resting in the works of our Savior. But physically speaking, when we enter into that physical rest rhythm of 6-1, we actually produce more when we rest than if we try to just plow right through. Um, Marva Dawn in her book tells the story of a wagon train on its way from St. Louis to Oregon and its members were all very devout Christians at the time and so the whole group was in the habit of stopping and observing Sabbath day. But winter was quickly approaching and some of the group began to panic that they were not going to be able to reach their destination before all the heavy snows hit. And so consequently, several members proposed to the rest of the group that they would quit their practice of resting on the Sabbath and continue driving onward seven days a week. 
And there was a lot of contention and debate in the community about whether they should do this or not. And so one group, um, they split into two groups, and one group decided they were going to just plow through and that the other group was going to observe the Sabbath. And so both groups set out, and they traveled together until the Sabbath day, and one group rested and one pushed on. We guess which one got to Oregon first, right? Well, it would be a bad illustration, right, otherwise, but it was the group that Sabbathed. The ones who kept the Sabbath reached their destination first. Both the people and their horses were so rested by their Sabbath observance that they could travel much more vigorously and effectively the other six days of the week. And this has been true for me. In my own life experience, I have found that when I don't have a Sabbath coming, I try to grab rest wherever I can, just bits and pieces of rest that keep me going, but never really restore But when I know a full day of Sabbath is coming, I can work harder knowing that rest is on its way. Finally, as we rest physically, as we cease, in order to find real rest, you have to cease planning. That's the hard one for me. Have you ever laid down to go to sleep at night, but you can't get any rest because your mind won't rest as you go through the lists and the plans and all the things that have to get done? Neither can we really have a physical, emotional, and mental rest on our Sabbath, which we desperately need and design for if we don't cease planning. Now, I I hope you understand the heart of what's being conveyed here and don't garner this legalistic, strict idea of what I'm saying about Sabbath. One Sunday, I didn't plan well, and, and we didn't have anything for dinner, and so I went to the grocery store and got something for dinner. Now, ideally, I should have planned this out, but you shouldn't feel so constricted and bound that you can't make a mistake or that you can't get food for your family tonight. If you are not, by the way, if you are not prepared for the snow tomorrow, please go get supplies. Please. That's a necessity. But these points that we've just covered about physical rest are meant to help you find rest. The Sabbath was created for you. Not to provide more worry and unrest. If Sabbath feels like a chore and not a joy of rest, you may need to stop and reflect and re-examine on how you are Sabbathing. Ideally, the Sabbath is not a day that you get stuff done for next week. Where we buy all our groceries, where we check off the list, things that didn't fit into our day. It's not a spillover day. It is a day of rest from that mentality, a ceasing of our planning, of our worry and our anxiety so that physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually we can find rest. So this brings us to the deeper reality of the Sabbath, set the physical stuff aside. We not only find a physical rest through our ceasing, but we also more deeply get a real rest spiritually by finding our rest in God. And so just to help us kind of frame some of the spiritual activities that we do, I've I've got a triune framework here because I'm Christian. So one, rest in the Father. Our Father in heaven, your Father in heaven, your dad, wants to be with you. He desires that we be in fellowship with him. And this is ultimately what our Sabbath rest is a foretaste of. It's what it's all about. This is why the primary activity of Sabbath is worship. Worship is a joyful expression. It is a foretaste of what it means to be in God's presence and what it's all about. When we experience God, when we respond joyfully with thanks, 
we should leave worship feeling revived and have a deeper spiritual refreshment from being in God's presence. And this is intimately connected with how our Sabbath rest is a foretaste of what our passage says of entering into that heavenly rest with God the Father. Look again at the psalm that we prayed today, a song for the Sabbath day, and notice the connection to joy and worship. I'm going to read the first few verses of that psalm again, and this is from a different translation to highlight it, but it says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. We find real spiritual rest in our Heavenly Father's presence through prayer, through worship, through reading His Word, through hearing the proclamation of His Word in sermons as we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Secondly, we find real rest with the Spirit of God. We find this connection with the Spirit in times of aloneness, in silent spaces, times of reflection and meditation. And as an aside, by the way, connecting with creation, mountains, rivers, the ocean, those are all sources of spiritual refreshment, which makes complete sense given this intimate tie between creation and the Sabbath. But we find spiritual rest, just in case you're an introvert like me, we find spiritual rest with the Spirit of God, not only when we are alone, but also when we connect with God's Spirit in others, not just our blood family on Sunday, but the family of God. It is almost universally always true that I feel exhausted and stressed when I need to go to a small group or some social ministry, and I rebel internally against it hard. I'm speaking at prime timers later, and this morning I was like, ah. <laughs> are you excited now? <laughs> Here's the other half. But also, I know, after experience, universally, without exception, I always feel refreshed after interacting with my brothers and sisters in Christ as the Spirit of God interacts within each of us. Finally, we find real spiritual rests with the Son of God when we serve as He served, when we feed the hungry, when we heal the broken, when we encounter Jesus Christ out in the world in acts of mercy, we experience a depth of spiritual rest that can be found in no other way. Jesus Christ is, after all, the way to true spiritual rest. Last Sunday, the passage we read was Matthew eleven twenty eight, and Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. And as our passage for today says, if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken a later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rest from his work. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest. We enter that ultimate rest, that final rest, by and through Jesus Christ. And so Christians traditionally celebrate Sabbath on today, Sunday, the Lord's day, his day, the day he was resurrected and the day he began to usher us into his kingdom.
It is through Him, through Yeshua and Him alone, that we are brought into the promised land. Full rest, full fellowship with God. When we Sabbath, and when we Sabbath together, we find not only our physical rhythm of rest that we were designed for, but also a deeper foretaste of that spiritual rest that comes only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask for rest. We are weary, we are tired, we are anxious. It is hard for us to put down our plans and our purposes. We ask that you continually remind us of how you have created the Sabbath for us to rest in you and to have a foretaste of that day to come. Help us to find our rest in you. Grant us your spirit that we may do so in a real way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.